With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 100 of Bleeding Blue. And today we are talking and re-watching the 2010 Week 4 Sunday Night Football matchup where the New York Football Giants beat the Bears of Chicago by a score of 17-3. to The Giants had an NFL record nine sacks during the first half of this game during the first year of their new stadium. And it was a party on national television, so... Fellas, let's have a party of our own on Bleeding Blue's 100th episode. And without further ado, let's bleed blue. Fellas, we are here. It is the 100th episode of Bleeding Blue, but like David pointed out last episode, it's kind of ironic that this is the second episode of like our rebranded and our you know our new vision of what we want this podcast to be. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, we are now what I think, and I always like to to pat myself on the back and call myself the best and just boost my own ego. I think Bleeding Blue is the first and the only. Giants podcasts that are centered around Giants history. This is no longer like a a a, a weekly like news. Uh, you know, get your you know Giants news here and your your Giants analysis of what's going on in 2020. We are solely kind of just like a Giants history podcast. And what we did on episode 99 and what we're doing today is we are rewatching games. And that's exactly what we're doing today. Week four, 2010, Sunday Night Football, where the Bears, we absolutely crushed Jay Cutler. We crushed Josh Collins. And then we even crushed another fucking guy, too. So I'm with Snacks. I'm with David. And Snacks, you're the first person that's showing up on my screen. So I'm going to go to you first. How are you doing? Happy Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day to you, too, Justin. And David, obviously, is you, too. Um, I'm doing great. I, uh, I don't know how much better I can be. I'm still breathing. I'm still alive. I'm still here. I'm present. I'm accounted for. So there's nothing wrong in my life. Thank you for asking. Yeah, can I can I give you props and can I say congratulations? It, it was this past weekend that yeah. it is 10 years. You are 10 years removed from beating cancer. So congratulations. Uh, you, you truly, you truly. Now, now here, we're going to get a little sentimental here. Uh, Snacks truly does live life in a in a genuine and authentic way. And it's and it's rare that you have you know f- close friends that you can say that about. So snacks, congratulations! Thank you for being you. We are glad you are here. We are glad you're bleeding blue with us, my friend. Well, Justin, thank you very much, my friend. That is that is very nice. And yes, it has been been a long ten years, but I tell you, there has been nothing that has made me happier than, well, I guess besides not having cancer, than winning two Super Bowls <laughs> and. And all these other things. So I do appreciate it. And I can promise you that what you get from me is what you're always going to get. So I love you guys. Thank you. Speaking of things that make me happy, David Powers, how are you doing today? I'm okay. (laughs) I would have been better if I had been able to spend my Memorial Day not watching one of the worst games that NBC has had the misfortune to air on Sunday Night Football. And considering the fact that we watch these games on NFL game pass and NFL game pass goes back to 2009 and the giants have played over 175 games in those years that NFL game pass can cover. And we decided to choose this piece of shit to watch our second game. Yeah. Can I, can I jump in there, David, real quick? really quick. Other than that, I'm well, um, (laughs) I, I I had a, a relaxing and restful, holiday weekend with my family in quarantine good for you and i will absolutely back your statement up that 
the fact that I watched this game twice over to record all my notes and, and make sure I didn't miss anything. Um, this took years off my life more than cancer did. So <laughs> that's that's where we're at. But I will say it is always nice to watch a win. So And it's Justin's fault. Of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? David, we got the next game. Don't worry. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, the backlash that I got, uh, especially pre-show, and I kind of wanted to continue to hear exactly why you hated this game. Now, again, talk macro because we'll get more specific. But here's my thought. This is this is one of the games that I remember very, very fondly from my childhood. I was at this game. Well, and you had a pathetic childhood. That... I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's 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 for another that's for another podcast that we'll save that we'll save that episode. Um, but. I was at this game. It was, you know, there's nothing like Sunday night. I think we even talked about that last week. And, you know, this was one of the last triumphant efforts. Maybe we can find a game from 2016 for when that defense was ferocious, when that defense was awesome. I don't know if I'm going to call that defense ferocious, but that defense was pretty awesome. Olivier Vernon and JPP towards the latter end of his Giants tenure is not the same as 2010 JPP, 2011 JPP. And when you had OC, you know, having a a record-breaking 10 force fumbles in 2010 and Justin Tuck as well. Justin Tuck in 2010, I feel like that was one of his uh, really final good seasons uh, before the injury bugs started to really get him. So I'm the reason why I picked this game is, number one, last week it was a lot. Like, that was just a lot to cover. It was a lot to have notes on. David absolutely killed it last week. Snacks, you did all right. Uh, oh, David absolutely oh killed it last God. week with his wow. with his notes and his prep. Um, I, that was a really bad low blow. That was a shot. But, oh, my I, God. <laughs> you could not have been nicer to, to Snacks like 45 yeah, seconds for ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here like I'm on top of the world, and then your fucking dumbass comes in and throws a low blow at me like that. Are you fucking kidding me? It's yin and yang, yin and yang. I, I can't, I can't boost you up too much. I can't put you down too much. Because I had three less pages of notes doesn't mean I wasn't prepared enough. I didn't kill it. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, well, you're prepared today. You have a lot of notes today. David's a bad guy because. So we, I think we're gonna alternate. It's gonna be like every week. You make not me sick. Be prepared. Wow. Okay. All right. So, but that's like that's that's what I was thinking. Why I picked this game is because it was like one of the last. Like we're thinking Big Blue Wrecking Crew. We're thinking of like those 07 teams of that pass rush. This 2010 yep. game on a national scale where they absolutely knocked Jay Cutler out and yep. they knocked Jeff Collins out. Todd and Collins. This was one of the, the whatever Jeff Collins. I got Jeff Garcia. And does Todd it Collins does it really confused. matter? No. No, it doesn't because he's irrelevant. So that's why I picked this game because it was like one of the last triumphant efforts of that that giant, that great Giants defensive line and that great Giants pass rush. And I appreciate that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Roast me. Go ahead. I get Look, listen, listen. I appreciate that. And I agree with you. I, I get where you're coming from. But the problem is those that ferocity and those plays that you're talking about happened for a cumulative maybe two minutes. The other like two hours and sixteen minutes I had to sit through was Brutal. abysmal. It was just hard to watch. I said before we started recording, even if the Bears had played really well in this game, like if I had to sit there, I would have preferred to sit there and watch a Bears win because at least then I would have seen quality football being played. No, you're you're lying. What? I'm lying about what? There was no such thing as Bears quality football. With Jay Cutler and Mike Martz. Well, they were three and zero, weren't they? They were three and zero. Yeah, actually, they were three They did beat Dallas. All I'm saying is, think of one aspect of a football game, literally from 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 the fans to the weather to a passing game to a running game to uniforms to anything, officials, punting, kicking. Think of any part of the football pyramid. None of it went well in this game. None of it. And it's your fault that I had to relive it. I watched it once. And oh, I, and, see, and, I, and, I watched it twice. And Well, no, and 14-year-old me that watched it in 2010 should not have to relive. The, the 23-year-old version of me should not have to relive the traumas of my 14-year-old self. I agree. This is why I go to therapy. You are the reason why I go to therapy. Yeah, I don't disagree. And and to be honest, that might have been I was at that game, Justin, like you said, I, I was there too. And at 17 years old, I think that might have been the first game I was blackout drunk for. So, you know, 
<laughs> I wanted to forget it once and you made me relive it. So there you go. Congratulations. But it's always nice. To wow. see, it's always nice to see a Giants win. And I, I do get what you're saying. Like that dominant defensive rush and, and sacking the quarterback. That's what we were accustomed to growing up and all that stuff. So it definitely was nice to see. But I tell you, everything outside those sacks, that might have been the ugliest football game I've ever watched in my life. If somebody wants like just wants like to to relax and just and just laugh at a football game, I I encourage you to find a way to to watch this football game. I believe there's a there's a condensed version on YouTube and if you have Game Pass, sit there for 2 hours and hate yourself for most of it. Because it is one of the worst football games that NBC has oh ever aired. Oh my god. I don't disagree. No, no. Well, no, Justin, Justin, you, you're wrong. I don't disagree with David here. I don't. However, I think him saying that is really going to turn people off. So I'm going to tell you right now that this might have been the greatest football game I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> I appreciate you, look, Snacks. <laughs> look, the whole point of here, here, I'm going to sound a lot like Joe Judge right now. And, uh, you know, uh, don't, don't. sometimes sometimes you want to punch people in the face when they sound like this because this is getting a little bit of sports radio. This football game represented who New York is. And I hate that I just Ugly? said that because I hate <laughs> gritty. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it's, oh, my God. Bo- both, of, both of those adjectives are completely right. And it was ugly and it was gritty. And for that sense, I can get the appreciation for it. So, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go. Let's talk about it. And it was and it was nasty. So, but also it was historic. Don't I would if you were to go to uh, an an NBC executive and say, was this football game the the worst game you ever aired? This was a historic game. I said in the intro, nine sacks in a, in one half. That's an NFL record. Now yeah. one of them was a cheat sack. One of them was a cheat. One sack. One of them was a very cheap sack. It ran out of bounds. Al Michaels used the adjective to describe this game, wacky, like six times. He said wacky on national television. He was 100% within his rights to say that. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I also think he bet the over. So all of the, yeah, he the, was offensive, not happy. the offensive mishaps were like really detrimental to his bank account. So that's my opinion. Jesus. Yeah, what was the let's let me get the let me get the over under on this game. I am I'm on pro I think it was like forty four right and a half, right? You it said? was four it was it was forty four on the dot. Forty four on the dot in twenty. You know, it was seventeen yeah. three. Yeah. So I mean you I think you might have said it last week, Snacks, uh, about you know, and I think you know, this is somewhat well known, but if you don't, Al Michaels now I don't know, is this confirmed? It's confirmed. He, confirm he's a degenerate person? gambler, yeah. One hundred percent. You all you have to do is just listen to how he calls hey. a game. There is no such thing as a degenerate gambler. It's just a confident gambler. It's a, co- a it's a co- it's a it's a competition problem. That's yeah. all it is. Um, I realized after two weeks of doing this that we have done two Sunday night football games, which is great because Justin, as you know, that's my favorite game of the week. And the fact that we don't get those games anymore means we suck that much. But Chris Collinsworth always has good things to say about the Giants. Does, is there any correlation there? Because remember when we watched the Dallas game, and he kept saying. This is the greatest quarterback performance in the fourth quarter I've ever seen. And was he it, wrong? No, no, no. He was not wrong. But <laughs> but in this Bears game, he kept talking about this is one of the greatest franchises of all time. Uh, Tom Coughlin get it right. Blah, blah 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 blah. He's usually a positive guy, but for some reason, after watching and listening to these two games, Chris Collinsworth just has an affinity for New York Giants. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just looking way too much into it. But Chris Collinsworth, his stock. In Snacks' is mind, his stock his stock is rising. Well, I actually think I I actually just think that Michaels and Collinsworth are actually good. They're they're good announcers. They're phenomenal. They're they're, phenomenal. they're very good, and they get a lot of crap because they're national and because you know naturally everyone is going to say, oh, he hates my team, he hates my team, right. and you know, right. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman deal with it, and and every national broadcast is going to deal with that. But I think they're fantastic, actually. I do too. I do too. Collinsworth actually his like what is Martz and Cutler doing that was also pretty funny he was hilarious in this game he was a savage I don't want to get both of you started on Matt Dodge but he was pretty funny with that oh my god and he was also pretty funny with talking about like what the hell is Cutler and Mike Martz doing (laughs) yeah which I forgot Mike Martz I forgot Mike Martz was the offense coordinator there yeah yeah, which is actually very interesting seeing like how 
the trends of what happened, and we'll get to this as we, because now this is a, actually here. We'll actually we'll we'll start off with this. I, I was just gonna say like, say those numbers right now, like his offensive, like to turnovers. Are you gonna say that, like the yeah, turnovers? And set, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was basically just gonna just gonna say the whole point of turnovers per per game and sacks. He was always like consistently top half, top five, top two in the league. Even going back to his time with the Rams, you know, where he was a head coach and Kurt yep. Warner, and you know all Greatest those great offenses. Turf. Uh, greatest show on turf and you know even going uh, he was at one point he was with the the Lions and the 49ers before he was an offensive coordinator with the Bears and again same same problem where he would be topping topping in the league in turnovers and topping the league in sacks so you pair him with Jay Cutler who threw I wrote down he threw 26 interceptions the year before Mike Martz came to town yeah so it was now obviously you know not a match made in heaven we're playing Monday morning quarterback here and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. but you even heard on this Sunday night football broadcast, how they were talking about, Oh, this, this could be a matchup that could really work. Cause Jay Cutler, you know, at the, you know, he, he, he was a guy that was slinging the ball around the field. I mean, averaging like 14 yards per attempt, 14 yards per completion. One of those, which is nuts. That's, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of insane. That's a lot of, that's a big chunk of yards on every time you're completing the ball. But also the potential for those interceptions, and they were saying that could be either a matchup made in heaven or, or a partnership made in heaven, or it could be a partnership that's uh, kind of disastrous. Which, yeah, um, yeah, no, no, it's true. And and I heard, uh, I think Collinsworth uh, relayed the quote to to the fans that were watching, and Martz, they they were asked like, why are you so reckless? Blah 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 blah. And Martz, Mike Martz said, well, I'm not reckless, I'm aggressive, right? And which I guess in- cop out. It's a big cop out, especially with an ego like that. I'm not reckless. I'm aggressive. Okay, buddy. Uh, they pretty much have the same meaning when you're literally la- you get the most sacks against you, all these turnovers. So something's a little reckless there. Okay, guy. Okay. Okay, guy. I mean, yeah. So like, just to set the scene a little bit, coming into this game, so it's week four. The Bears are coming in at three and zero. This is an offense that's actually clicking, and and I think that's a storyline as as we go along looking at this game at what the Giants' defense was able to do to them. Um, the the Chicago passing game is is throwing for at this point two hundred seventy seven yards coming into the game. You know they're, they're throwing for two seventy seven per game, which I believe was the highest total they had in franchise history over the first three games of the season. Which a is kind of miraculous considering how long they had been around. Uh, at this point, but you you figure you know it's 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 NFC North football. It's it's for its entire history. It's been a running. It's been it's a division that's focused on running the football, playing defense. So, and I think it's important to remind people as we go into this game that these Bears teams ultimately ended up being very unimpressive. But coming into this game, this was a this was a dangerous looking team. You know, you you have you have Matt Forte in his prime. Um, at running back, you've got a, a very, very talented defense. And Jay Cutler, who was kind of the golden boy of the NFL, he was going to be, he was always going yeah, to be the breakthrough quarterback of that right. season. And it, and it lasted for about six years. And then finally, people realize he's just better looking than he is a good football player. And 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 finally, his time ran out. But this is a, this is a talented offense that's that's coming into uh, no, and it was, and it was a, it was a talented offense that was playing against a defense that in their last fourteen games allowed thirty one and a half points a game. Yeah. So, yeah. It, so what transpired the rest of the game was was mind blowing. Part of that reason might have something to do with the fact that the starting linebackers for the Giants in this game were Michael Boley, Jonathan Goff, and Clint Sintum. Dude, I literally have that written in my notes. Clint Sintum <laughs> slash Jonathan Goff. Disgusting. Awful. Disgusting. How Awful. on right. God's green earth does a professional football team trot those two motherfuckers out there like that? Excuse my language. I'm sorry. But that is a disgrace to the NFL. That's a disgrace to a high school football team. Jonathan Goff actually wasn't too bad in 2010. Oh, God. Okay, just... no, he played fine, Justin. Stop. 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 Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Stop. I'm not I'm not listening to the Jonathan same, Goff. The apologies. same franchise that trotted out Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks, Harry Carson, Brad Van Pelt also Antonio Pierce. Also sported Clint Sintham. Ah, God, you know what? You guys want to quit? <laughs> yeah, you actually quit? I do. All right, let, let's get going here, Justin. Let's, David mentioned the defense, and before we get to some, you know, uh, who was out, who was here, who, and then also just some other maybe off-the-field stuff, 
Bears defense. They were allowing 2.8 yards per carry. Lance Briggs, Julius Peppers, Charles Tillman, Brian Urlacher. Uh, those are pretty, those are, you can argue, I don't, Lance Briggs probably isn't a Hall of Famer, but those are three Hall of Famers. He's close. Right there. He's close. And Peppers, Peppers, Tillman, and Urlacher. Um, fun fact about Tillman, Tillman actually tied OCU in Europe with the most forced fumbles in a, forced in a single season with 10 in 2012. Um, because he like, back. oh my God. Sorry, yeah, as, I, as I didn't mean to interrupt. That's just ridiculous. No, but right, as a cornerback. And, you know, because he perfected like the poke out. And yeah, you saw and we'll that see that later game. on in the game. Yep. yep. Correct. Correct. You'll see that later on in this game where Bradshaw was actually, he was running for a touchdown. He was a clear path to the end clear zone. Six. And this was in, this was in the fourth quarter when the, again, you know, the game could have been like clearly just put away. And he had all those Chicago bears cornerbacks, like perfecting that little poke out that they would do. Um, when the, when the, when the offensive players would just have their heads turned, they would be paying attention. They would let their guard down. Um, it wasn't Tillman that forced that fumble this game, but it, Tillman had all those guys perfecting that. So again, three, right. three, whole, three hall of famers, and then one borderline hall of famer, you can say in Lance Briggs. So this right. bears defense was very, very talented. Now, Heading into this game, Matthias Kiwanuka was out with a bulging disc in his neck, and at the time, he was leading the team in sacks. He had four sacks when the team had a total of six. Giants defense wasn't exactly, and you guys kind of preface this, Giants defense wasn't exactly heading into this matchup against a, a booming offense uh, with a lot of momentum. They had a new defense coordinator. This was Perry Fuel's first year in 2010. They had a total of six sacks, and Kiwanuka had four, and he was out with a bulging disc in his neck. Uh, Giants were one and two. They had a one and two record. Uh, OC had one sack in the first in his first three games. Tuck was already kind of maybe struggling with some injuries, but he was just playing, throwing it, and he didn't even have a single sack, which is mind blowing to me. Um, and I, you know, when I heard that 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 Kiwi was out and he was the team leader in sacks, you kind of forget that he was quietly underrated, a very good Giant. He dealt with his injuries and whatnot. But when he was healthy, he was always solid. He's a guy you could count on. He got the sacks. He did his thing. Um, it was nice to see the old OCU Manure this game. I will say that. And for for that instance, the old Justin Tuck, too, because he played a beast of a game. But, yeah, just Kiwi being out and everybody else stepping up and doing their job as they should. They weren't 35 years old. They weren't 36, 37, 38, 40, 50, 90 years old. They were still relatively in their primes and they should have been playing much better than they were the first three games and they weren't and they had their right. coming out party so it was great to see right and this was the final year of those like you know uh, like that 07 Giants offensive line this was yeah. their final year that they were all together Deal, Soybert, O'Hara, Snee, and McKenzie O'Hara was actually out of this game with an injury mm -hmm. um, after only missing a combined five games in his six years with the Giants Sean O'Hara only played six games in 2010 he decided to hang it up after that and a kind of like a fun personal story about O'Hara is my father and I, we used to be like memorabilia crazies. And my father and I, we would travel like the East Coast just to get like guys autographs. We have we have like a 2007 Super Bowl helmet with all their signatures on it. We have a 1986 and 1989 Super Bowl helmet with all the guys signatures on it. Uh, we have a whole bunch of other stuff. So I met O'Hara and I was a center at the time. I was a center playing, you know, just Pop Warner as a little kid. So, you know, I, my father told me to t tell him like, Hey, tell him the center, like say him like how centers, like the, like the captain of the offensive line and make some sort of comment like that. So O'Hara actually underneath the signature that he wrote on the helmet, you know, and it's the same side, you know, we would strategically pick which side guys would sign on. So it's on the same side as Burris, as Manning, as Bradshaw, as Jacobs and stuff like that. So this was like the main side. Um, he wrote it right under the NY logo. And actually, after I made that comment to him, he wrote Captain. Now, if you know anything about autographs and you know anything about autograph shows, you typically have to pay for an inscription. Like, for example, if Eli Manning is going to sign Eli Manning number 10, it's probably an extra 40 bucks for him just to write two-time Super Bowl MVP on the bottom of his signature. It's an extra 40 bucks plus the actual signature itself. So O'Hara, you know, uh, we didn't, you know, obviously – the the captain isn't a like an inscription that you pay for so he wrote it in himself in quotes and it's actually really funny because <laughs> as other offensive linemen started to sign that helmet they would point at sean o'hara's signature <laughs> and they would point at the inscription and, and laugh at it. it's like hey get a load of this shit <laughs> and i think actually kevin booth you know this is at the time everybody still had like flip phones 
uh, when when we got these signatures. So Kevin Booth actually took a picture of he he asked, "Can I take a picture of this?" And I think he might have put it. I don't know. I don't know. Could could you have group chats with uh, with flip flops? But he might have texted it to texted it to some people, and he said, "Can I take a picture of it and just to just to laugh at it?" So there you go. So there's that's my personal funny. Sean O'Hara story. Good job, Justin. That's very Sean funny. That's story. a good story. That is a good Thank story. You. I, you know, when when you start saying, "Here's my personal story," I usually want to try and tune you out, but that was really good. That was a good one. Oh, th- thanks. I, I I digged at you earlier, so you had to dig back a little bit. I, 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 I see 100%, what you did there. 100%. And Sean O'Hara on like the the much school, smaller personal scale, very nice guy. The Michael K show did a show at Miller's Ale House in Paramus, New Jersey, um, where I live like ten minutes away, and O'Hara was there as a guest, and he literally sat there and bullshitted with me and a few friends for like. 20 minutes talk, just shooting stories really good guy so that was a good story justin i hate to give you credit but well, that was good well my story now uh, is very small in comparison to yours because you actually fucking just sh- shot the shit with uh sean o'hara for 20 now, minutes so yeah, yeah. Now, I, I now you I, made me look bad no 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 it's not it's not looking bad it was it was just <laughs> it was like it was almost like his obligation like we begged him to come over so it wasn't oh, you know okay it, it was a little bit different like you were a center he was a center that's more personal I just like I was like, "Yo, Sean, get the fuck over here." That that's what oh, it nice. was. So yours is definitely better, which sucks. I shouldn't even brought mine up because mine loses. No, no. Can you get? get no, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. We got we got like thirty more minutes. I'm gonna rip you soon enough. Don't get, worry. Get a, get a, get a hold of yourself. All right. So during <laughs> halftime, during halftime of this game, this was actually the first time the Giants inducted people into their Ring of Honor. They inducted mm-hmm. some 30 members. I was going to go through the names. Uh, I'm not now because we're running a little long on time. But just know that this happened, and it was a nice little nod, especially considering, you know, uh, Giants were much more well-known in 86, 91. You know, those 80s and early 90s teams, they were much better known for their defense. And this game, you know, they they kind of kicked everything off with ninth sacks in the first half. So then... Um, imagine this. Now, the fans were already going nuts to begin with. Now, I don't know if it's because, like, early MetLife, and this 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 was probably actually the case. Early MetLife, everybody was just, you know, rocking. Giants fans were just more rocking to begin with. Right. They were just more rocking. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about a winning football team. 07, you win the Super Bowl. 08, you win 12 games. Uh, and then, you know, 09, maybe it's a little bit down here. But then 10, they start winning 10 games again. So Still have expectations. Early MetLife was rocking. Right. And especially if you put this game on a Sunday night game, and when you have such an awesome defensive performance like this, and then you're going to bring out Giants legends during halftime, I can only imagine, even though I was there, but I can't exactly remember it. <laughs> I, you could actually hear, and we'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear it in some of the sound bites that we played, just how loud MetLife was. And the fact that that was happening at halftime just only made people even more excited. So... That's a, that's a nice little tidbit. No, it is. It is. And I actually, that's literally the first thing I have written down in my notes. And um, I think we're all going to share our notes later on on Twitter, on the Bleeding Blue Twitter. But I literally wrote, MetLife had some life to start of the game, which is something that we all complain about, that it's just like a dead stadium and whatnot. And maybe the fact that it wasn't called MetLife yet, it was called New Meadowlands Stadium has something to do with it. I have no idea. But a one and two team on a Sunday night football game, that crowd really showed up, and it was nice to see for once. All right, so let's start off with the scoring plays. We're going to get into the game, uh, and let's start off with these scoring plays and exactly what happens now. There's only four scoring plays, which is part of what, partially why I picked this game. <laughs> it's because <laughs> there was a million different scoring plays last yeah, episode. Thanks for that, Justin. Yeah, no, no problem, David. Love you. And... <laughs> There's less going on in this game, and as a simple-minded person, that's that's nice for me. So in the first quarter, Lawrence Tynes hit a 22-yard field goal to make it 3-0 Giants. There is nothing that happens in the second quarter, no scoring. In the third quarter, the Giants put together a nice, nice, awesome drive capped off by a three-yard rush by Ahmad Bradshaw to make it 10-0. And then fast forward to the fourth quarter with about 11 minutes left, Robbie Gold hit a 40-yard field goal to make it 10-3, and that's the crazy part about this game, fellas. The crazy part about this game is that no matter how dominant this Giants defense was, the Bears were like literally one big play, and they were a big play offense. They were one big play away from making this like a football game and either tying it, taking the lead, especially in the first half, um, or even just making it like a one-score three-point game, which is which is the craziest part about this. But they did find a way to put the game away. The Giants did with about four and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. Brandon Jacobs 
uh, caps off a drive with a two-yard rushing touchdown. Lawrence Tynes with the with the true blue extra point kick, as as Bob Papa would say, and it's 17-3, and that's the final scoring play of this game, and that's final score 17-3. So where I kind of want to start off, I want to start off with talking about Corey Webster. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, my awesome. God damn it. God damn it. That's the second bullet point I have. Corey Webster, one-arm tackle with Devin Hester in the open field. If he doesn't stop that right there, the the, the Bears are up 7 nothing right off the rip. Go ahead. Yeah, because I have down, and I kind of just put Corey Webster in like one kind of combined point here. Webster, particularly in the first quarter, two awesome tackles, mm-hmm. a pass deflection in the first quarter before the sack fest really began. He got and beat those on that two play. Awesome, he, he, got, he got beat, but it was a great recovery. Like, it honestly, was a phenomenal recovery, yep. Like honestly, you know how you would think these NFL quarterbacks would be hitting everybody in stride, but also you can argue that it was because of the wind. Apparently, there was there was crazy wind that was happening this game. It was raining um, too. It was it started to rain like in the second quarter. Or so, but those two awesome tackles that Corey Webster they were on Devin Hester on a screen and Matt Forte on a swing pass, and I think those two plays and those two tackles, like if he didn't make those tackles. Uh, they would have been much, much larger gains, especially on that Matt Forte swing pass. They were talking on the the national broadcast about how, you know, oh, that, that was such a good block by the center and, you know, good job by Forte getting out in space, blah, blah, blah. And it was a first down play. But Webster was being blocked by a, you know, 300-pound center on that play. He was being blocked by a big, big boy. And he was sure. able to get off that block and make a tackle down on the sideline. So uh, the pass deflection, those two awesome tackles. I want to give Corey Webster some love. Yeah, Corey Webster often doesn't get really credit, I think, in the, in the 2000s right. Giants defenses. And I think partially because for a lot of the defenses that he was a part of that were very good, the defensive line was really excellent. The secondary was was always kind of the question mark. You think even back to the 07 team, that secondary was not was not lights out by any stretch of the imagination. That, that defensive line got hot. And then I, I think for the, his, the entirety of his career, that secondary was never really the uh, the calling card of any defense. And I think he he was the worst for it because I think he a steadfast number one corner for a good stretch of time, which is it's hard to get that the kind of longevity the Giants got out of Corey Webster. It's hard to get that where his play really never deviated. You know, he never really his play never really dropped off. So yeah, Corey Webster, uh, really good good showing in this game. He was kind of in a Coughlin's doghouse. He was a guy that kind of struggled. And then it was that postseason. It was that 07 postseason that really set him up for success. That 08 season, he was awesome. Oh, no. I mean, he, he had, I mean, there was, there was a stretch of, you know, even up to 2011, he had 17 passes deflected in 2008. He had 24 passes deflected. And if a, a source like pro football focus was around like today, they graded his like 2000, it's either 2008 or 2009 season as like top 10 of all graded seasons all time by cornerbacks, which is crazy. You wouldn't think like now I know pro football focus and grades. A lot of people don't like it, but it's crazy because you wouldn't think of like Corey Webster at the time was literally, you can make an argument, a one of the top tier cornerbacks in the mm-hmm. National Football League. But yep. like David said, you're you're kind of talking about those defensive lines. So I want to get into these sacks. I want to get into these sacks because actually the play after Corey Webster makes a nice tackle on Devin Hester, this is what happens. Third and long for Chicago. They need 10 and a half from their own 38. Bennett in motion right. One back set for take. Cutler over center. Back to throw. He's under pressure. Avoid the sack. And then Newman Yura gets him at the 34-yard line. First sack of the season for Osi Yumanura. That's a big play for Osi. Now he's stepping up in the absence of Matthias Kiwanuka, or I should say he's doing his part to make up for the loss. And tuck it tackle, Pierre Paul came off the left edge. And Osi beat the tight end to the inside and gets the sack. Now what I love about this play is JPP, rookie, 2010 season, He's the guy that forces the pressure on that right side, the left side of the defense, right side of the offensive line. He's the guy that kind of forces that pressure, forces Cutler up in the pocket, and O.C. gets his first sack of the season. So I love it. Well, I mean, JPP, from from day one, day one JPP walked in the building, he was the most athletic player on the field. Athleticism at the defensive end position 
is a severe weapon in and of itself. And, and then he only got more technically sound as his career continued. But I, I think to a guy, for a guy like O.C. Minura, who used primarily speed, for a guy like O.C., JPP is, is, a, is a godsend because JPP was able to just push the pocket in any direction he wanted. And O.C., I think, was the better for it. Oh, nice inside move. Nice inside move OC had here. OC was just like such a, a, a thoroughbred as a pass rusher. Like he, you know, we know he couldn't stop the run, couldn't do anything like that. He had one job and one job only. To this day, I still love the story that the Chargers were like begging to to get OC in that trade for, for Rivers and Eli. And of course, he kept saying no. And lucky for us, didn't happen. We kept OC, kept him here. He was a thoroughbred pass rusher. And that strip sack. I wrote it down today. That strip sack, unbelievable. Second to none. It might have been the most deadly weapon since the AK-47 was was installed. <laughs> yeah, and the strip sack, I already mentioned this because I think this is such a fun fact about his season. And Giants fans forget this, which is why I'm glad I, I made that video on him a couple weeks ago. And he retweeted it. I'm so glad because this is such a forgotten thing. OCU Manura, and at the time, in 2010... It was um it was a guy from Seattle and I'm forgetting his name from 1993. It was him and OC for most forced fumbles forced in a single season at 10. 10 forced fumbles and also 10 forced fumbles on 11 and a half sacks. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. You would think a guy that's getting 10 forced fumbles, you would think oh maybe 16 sacks, 17 sacks and he's kind of poking at Michael Strahan for Strahan's record, but no. Dude had 11 and a half sacks, 10 forced fumbles. I gave him the, the nickname The Stripper that year. Um, and, and those forced fumbles, so this was actually the first game of a three-game stretch where OCU Munura played out of his fucking mind. So he played in Chicago. He had three sacks this game. We'll talk about him. Two forced fumbles. In Houston, two sacks, two forced fumbles. The next week in Houston, and then the next week after that at home against Detroit, two sacks, two forced fumbles, and all three games were wins. When, when OCU Minura, because like you said, Snacks, he really, you know, he, he wasn't what you would call a complete defensive end. Right. But when OCU Minura smelt blood in the water, when he smelt, when, when he understood that the, that the tackle lining up across from him was not fast enough to, to control him, he was at any given time the best player on any Giants defense. 100%. Because, because if he knew he could beat you with his speed and then every once in a while just kind of throw in an inside move of just of just strength, of surprising strength, he was with the, with that deadly. Absolutely deadly. Yep. And he, he beat him all, all the time. And t- to me, he's literally, you know, as much of a strip sack specialist as he was, he's also kind of lazy. You know, like if there was a play that was kind of dead not to his side, he would stop. He literally saved all of his energy. You're talking about my favorite giant from that era, so you better watch your fucking mouth. Right I know now. you are, and I, 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 I can, I can hear your voice and how glowingly you speak of him. But he was lazy <laughs> at times. You can't tell me he wasn't. Oh, but it, I'm going sh- to show you. I'm going to show you lazy on like his his second fucking force fumble. Justin, where he did, absolutely it, derailed. He well, murdered oh, Jay Cutler. You, you he right, murdered right, oh, him. Hey, hey, dopey. That's what I'm saying. He smelled blood all game. So when he smells blood all game, he's you know going for blood. You know what? Fuck it. I'm playing that soundbite right now. Do it. Skipping Do it now. Do it now. We're skipping Fuck the it. second sack. We're Good. going to the Fuck third it. sack. Do it now. I dare you. The Bears have failed on a third and 10, third and 11, and a third and five. This is a third and seven from their own 31. Giants show blitz. Do not come. Cutler back. Rolls right. Hit by Human Europe. Ball is loose. Truth picks it out of midair. He's tackled by the Giants back at the 28-yard line. Bob, we haven't said a lot about OCU Manure this year. It hasn't been because he hasn't been playing. He's been doing his job, but his opportunities to get the passer are showing up a little more tonight, and he's really taking advantage. That's a full sprint to the opposite side of the field from where the quarterback is rolling Lazy. out. And he just puts on the Jets here and lays one on uh, Cutler here. That's a sack. Justin, don't don't Lazy. bring don't 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 question what I said about him. I watched every single play. When the play is on the opposite side, he gets up, he tries to to force his way in, and then he stops, which is fine. He was a specialist. He was an absolute pass rushing specialist. Don't take my lazy comment as a knock for him. Don't do that. Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy in your takes when I call him Oof. lazy on certain plays. 
I see what you did there, Snacks. Thank you very much, all right, David. So, uh, Thank you. All right, so we're, we're going to talk about one other secondary guy, and this was one of my favorite players for the Kenny span Phillips. that he was here. <clears throat> oh, well, not, not just Kenny Phillips. Terrell Kenny Thomas. Phillips, uh, can you, for, for, this, for the purposes of radio, can you just let things sit and wait? God I had that. I had that I, uh, all right, can I? Uh, you're right. I'm sorry. That, that's third and five. How does Al Michaels not think that's picked and off? <laughs> it is picked off, and then he's tackled at the spot at which he intercepted the pass. So Thomas is going to get credit for the pick and then tackled as he makes the interception. You're going to see Greg Olson come across, and I have no idea what Jay Cutler's watching. Perfect protection. Terrell <laughs> Thomas just sitting out there in that two-deep zone. He never saw this. He absolutely never saw that. All right, I need to I need to describe to you just how good Terrell Thomas was. Now, I'm going to I'm asking this as kind of like a question because in 2010 Terrell Thomas had 101 tackle season, 81 solo. Now, That's typically insane. you view you view a, a guy who makes a lot of tackles at the cornerback position and he's like, "Oh, he's allowing a lot of catches." But also at the same time, he had 21 passes deflected in 2010, which that is a that's a pretty that's a pretty good number. And he also had five interceptions in 2010, five interceptions in 2009, and he was a rookie in 2008. So he, he kind of got good. it, and he got it quick. And he for, for those two years, and then obviously 2020, he missed 2011 with an injury. He didn't play in 2012 at all. God, what a, what a devastating God! It really was. And I wrote, such... Justin, I wrote that down. That's why I said Kenny Phillips first because. Uh, in my notes, I, I wrote Kenny Phillips slash Terrell Thomas. If only injuries never happened, because they yeah. were as two talented defensive backs as you could find. And the fact they were on the field for this game kind of, you know, it was like warming to see if that makes sense. Like they were that good, and they both played good games. But the fact that their careers got cut short is just brutal for us fans and and the Giants as a team. So now I put it as a question initially. Because, yeah, obviously 81 solo tackles, 101 combined tackles for a cornerback, it could mean that you're allowing a lot of catches. And just because, again, you have 21 passes deflected, you know, you could just be getting targeted a lot. <laughs> you could just be getting targeted a lot. Now, 21 passes deflected and five interceptions, that says, hey, even though you may be getting targeted, you have a lot of ball skills. So I actually may want to look back and see if there's any other numbers on Terrell Thomas to see if he was good. But I do remember him being an awesome tackler. And he was extremely, extremely aggressive. So it really is a shame. He actually, uh, maybe, maybe we'll make a video on him because he actually is pretty active on Twitter. So we'll get a retweet from him. He was a, he was Ooh, a really good, good call. He was a really, really good football player. He, and and, and he was. I, re I remember much like Kenny Phillips. I, I remember kind of like the, he, he, he don't tempt, don't take this the wrong way, but he kind of became like the, uh, like the Sam Beal. Like you were waiting to hear mm, if he'd be healthy yeah. coming into a season. Yeah. And and obviously he had shown us that we wanted him healthy. Sam Beal, we still don't know, but like you were constantly waiting. You felt like you spent his entire career waiting to find out when he'd be healthy enough to contribute because you knew that when he was on the field, he he produced at a very high level. Yeah, I'm planning on doing a one of those daily videos on Terrell Thomas. So I'll, I'll find out. I'll find. I'll kind of find out what happened on him eventually. But fellas, it's it's time. It's time. Do you know what it's time for? Snacks, I'll allow you to give this one away since I'm asking you actually what, you know, what, 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 is it, what is it time for? Who is it time to talk about now? Matt fucking Dodge. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's listen to these two sound bites and these oh two my plays. God, I, I don't know if I and can. Then, uh, and then I'll, I'm going I'm I'm to shut the fuck up and I'm going to let you two just, just have at it. This is what I talked with Tom Coughlin about in the pregame show. Getting some first downs, create field position to not have to punt to Devin Hester. Third, fourth and one from the Giant 26. Dodge the punt, bobbles the football, picks it up, now kicks it on the run and gets it away. He could have run for the first down. And the ball is fielded by Duke Calhoun of the Giants at the 31. It's going to be an illegal oh, man downfield. Dodge could have just taken it and run for the first down. Boy, this young man has got to get it together soon. It's an illegal man downfield. Kicking team number 54. That five-yard penalty will be added to the end of the return. Timeout. 
Tough to blame Jonathan Goff as Dodge Fuck lost him. the handle and picked it up, ran with it, and punted it on the run when he could have run for a first down. He just bobbled the snap. We'll take a timeout, no score. Dodge to punt. Sets it and drills it to the near side. Hangs in the air and into the end zone for a touchback. Horrible play by Dodge. Punting from the 34, and he is hearing it. His teammates are trying to pump him up, but he is killing the Giants right now. 3-0, Giants, 7.51 to go in the half. How could you be so fucking bad at a position that if you teach your kid at five years old to do, you could be a professional? How? Legitimately, I'm asking. It's a very serious question. How stupid and dumb and awful at a position you could do. And I'm going to blame the Giants organization for this because how in God's creation they let him punt for the rest of the year. And we all know what happened at that end of the year with Deshaun Jackson. Do you guys remember? Yes or no? Yes. I'm not familiar with it. Um, Shut up, Justin. Shut the fuck up. You know exactly what happened. The fact that they let him punt in this game and then let him punt for the rest of the year is an absolute detrimental shock, nervous, disgusting, Disgusting scar on the Giants organization. That man, and I'm not, I I don't slight when I say this, that might be the worst ever player to ever put on that uniform. And I, re- I really, I really, I really, 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 really don't think that's an exaggeration. He is that bad. He bobbles the ball. He has literally 15 yards ahead of him with a first down that's two yards away. Like Bob Papa just said, just run the fucking ball. He gets a penalty instead because he punts the ball and there's an illegal man down the field. How on earth can you employ a man as stupid, as stupid as that piece of shit, Matt Dodge? Whoa. (laughs) He is a piece of shit. If I saw him in the street, I'd spin on him. I hate that man. Okay, well, I've had a so, lot of night. I've had a lot of nightmares in life, and he's caused about fucking ten of them, uh, ten more than anybody that I know. And he's a, he's a rotten, rotten human being. I don't even know what he's. You know what he's probably doing? He's probably bagging groceries at Shoprite right now, which is a prime fine profession if that's what you're into. But he was a professional punter making a million dollars a year, and he was terrible, terrible. The fact that he lasted after that fucking game is a disgrace to the organization. I second most of what you said. Maybe not the you know being a, a bad human being part. No, he's know, a piece of shit. I don't know about all that, but because I mean the guy, if you if you watch it back, he was he was not handling the booze very well. He was he was not. He was, Dave, he he was, was smiling he was on the sideline. Well, Do, you know, I, there we. Oh, stop it! SNF. He smiles so you don't cry. They you showed a smile after his first punt. They showed a smile. He's smirking on the fucking sideline. He's smirking on the sideline after fumbling away a punt. This stupid cocksucker. You know what's really Sorry. funny about that, actually? Um, so, Justin, you know this. I, I, um, I'm I, a big fan of Pat McAfee. I think he does a great job. He's very entertaining. I was actually listening to his, to a podcast he put out I think, you know, two days ago, a day ago. I don't remember. But... And he was talking about just that. He was like, as a punter, you cannot be caught on the sideline smiling ever. Like, like ever. if we're losing, if we're losing a football game, like it's one thing that the quarterback is caught smiling or a wide receiver is caught like making a joke and smiling. But as a punter, like I cannot be the guy that the cameras pick up, like cracking a joke to somebody and laughing about it because nobody wants to see from me. Nobody, nobody wants to hear from me. Nobody wants to know what I'm about. They don't want to think about me. And I think Matt Dodge. Matt Dodge should have should have listened to Pat McAfee. We have ta- I think all three of us have talked about how good Steve Weatherford was in Super Bowl 46. I'm sorry. He was that good in that game. And we talk about him pinning them deep every time. The fact that we're talking about how bad Matt Dodge was and the fact that he lasted after this game, when, when you listen to the announcers say that he's had a miserable first three games and they continue to employ him, you couldn't find a punter off the street, a veteran that has done it for like three, four years, whatever the case was. The Eagles game never happened. We might win the division that year. We might win win the division division that year. year. I mean, think about it. That man, that man is as big of a scumbag as I've ever, ever known, ever. And I don't even know him. I just know his name. Haven't heard from him since. You never will hear from him again because he's nothing. He's dirt. He doesn't deserve to be mentioned ever again. All right. Uh, uh, It wasn't even Matt Dodge, though. Let's be real. Don't fucking start, Justin. It wasn't even just Matt Dodge. You know who else was fucking there for years and who is still in the organization? Zach Diossi. 
No, Tom, no, Tom Quinn. No. Yes, yes. How in the world do you want to talk about it? At least you know Matt shout Dodge played sixteen games. Yeah, shout out, shout out, Will. <laughs> <laughs> I thought of him as I was typing. Those I know, notes. So, did, so did I. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you want to talk at least Matt Dodge? He played in twenty ten, and no other team, you know, no other team invested in him. Why would to they? give him any other any kind of any kind of shot? Which makes you feel good, snacks. Yes, it does. But Tom Quinn has survived like five coaching changes. He came, he started with Coughlin. And so it was Coughlin, it was McAdoo, it was Shermer, and Judge. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure, I'm willing to bet an insignificant body part that Tom Quinn is still here. So I'm sure it wasn't even, it, and I'm not, he's not the main special teams coordinator anymore, but he's, he's an assistant. He, he is never, he is never leaving the Giants organization. Never. So this was like prime fire Tom Quinn. Like even as like a, a teenager in the stands of section 315 in MetLife stadium. I was like the giant special teams is absolutely terrible. They should have fired him after that Philadelphia game where Tom Quinn didn't fucking uh, set up for an onside kick. All right. But I don't want to talk about the Eagles game. I don't want to talk no, about the Eagles please. Game. Can we please never talk about the Eagles? This whole game, the special special teams is awful. We have a missed field goal. We have multiple poor punts. We have uh, a bobbled punt return um, by Darius Raynaud or whatever his name was. Oh, we have d- there's no kick coverage. There's no there's there's no uh, running lanes for return men. It's it's horrible. And, and this was an issue that that this team ha- had had or, or will have moving forward for years. And Justin, before we started, this is something I want to say, and maybe this can th- this can move us forward. Um, in this game, the 2010 Giants macro, looking at them from a macro perspective, can really start to show you the cracks that were evident with this football team that's going to haunt them for six, seven, eight years into the future. Now, obviously, yes, they win the Super Bowl next year. But as we addressed uh, last week with the Cowboys game, that was not a good football team. They got really hot and, and they played as a team. And they were on the back of Eli Manning. But this football team has severe problems when you look at their offensive line, which was beginning to fall apart here. Um, they're unable to run the football, which is gonna which is gonna persist to be an issue until they draft the greatest Today? running back in Giants history. Oh my god. Um, David Wilson. Yeah. David Wilson, exactly. <laughs> they have very, very poor defensive play because this was not a good defense. This was a good game for this defense. They have a lot of problems, and their special teams is inept. They can't finish drives. They can't close out games. This is a a, a team that has massive, massive problems. They're going to win 10 games, and this is kind of that first, that first glimpse into, Justin, what you have, have always talked about, which was, the Giants maintained a state of mediocrity for so long because they did just enough to make you believe that they were very close. And win- yeah. uh, this team winning 10 games is a complete detriment to their long-term success. That This yes. team sneaking into the playoffs in 2011 and winning the Super Bowl, greatest Super Bowl run of my life. Set them back. But an enormous detriment moving forward. And 2013 oh, I- through 18 tremendously pay for it. And you start seeing well, those issues well, David, begin I mean, then, in 2010. David, I can imagine a lot of people listening would get upset with you when you say that. But let me just ask you this because well, I, I know it. the answer. Would you would you trade? Like, are you willing to Great trade question. away the? Are you willing to trade away the 2011 Super Bowl so the Giants wouldn't have that putrid stretch between 2013 and 2018? Of course not. But I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are like. Well, what the fuck, David? Like, uh, you know, just because the you you would trade away that 2011 Super Bowl just so the Giants would realize that they needed to fire Coughlin, so because that's what it would have been if the Giants didn't make the playoffs in 2011, especially after oh, he was uh, gone. winning winning ten games <laughs> in 2010. It should have been eleven when we're talking about Philly. Then we're talking about should have made the playoffs in 2010, um, and not you know especially if we're talking about in 2011 where things go different ways. Where it's the theme of the theme of that season would have been not finishing. <laughs> yeah, finish, and, finish, and, finish, and, finish. And, finish. and well, yeah, didn't Co- finish. Coughlin's biggest thing is finish, finish, finish. Right, exactly. So it's kind of funny how the irony hits there. 
All right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to move on to the fourth sack of the game. We're going to jump around a little bit, but this is kind of a, this is going to put a good bow on the conversation about Matt Dodge. Uh, Chris Collinsworth is going to get really funny, and then it's going to directly lead into another sack. Difference. Matt Dodge may not survive the night. I'm telling you, he may get cut at halftime the way he's going. From the 35-yard line on first down. Cutler, and he's going to go down again, and the ball is loose. Tuck got him, and this is Forte who's able to cover it up. So again, they get the cover. The Giants putting enormous pressure on up front, and that's the fourth sack of Cutler in the first 19 minutes of the game. Good friend of mine, Dave Tollefson, gets some pressure coming off the left <laughs> side, which forces Cutler to kind of move up. And Jay Cutler with zero pocket awareness. And also, uh, Justin Tuck is having current, like in this in this sack, it's actually a really funny sight to see. There are three offensive linemen that are currently, that, that were chasing after Tuck. The, the right guard, the right tackle, and I believe it was either the center or the left guard that was just coming off and scraping off from that other side. But Tuck just—everybody <laughs> was just chasing after Tuck. Tuck was really known for like not really having maybe like a specific move, and this is why I kind of had like the 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 pro the, the pro comp that I had for Epineza for AJ Epineza because Epineza does the same shit where he does like the hand fighting and the hand swipe. Where Tuck wasn't really like a dip guy, you know, and he wasn't really like a rip or a swim guy, or he wasn't really even a guy that was just going to beat you to the edge and beat you to the quarterback and beat you to the outside. But Tuck had a beautiful hand swipe move that allowed him to beat and get to the outside shoulder. And then that's exactly what happened here. Uh, and there was a fumble that was forced. And then once again, uh, fucking the bears recover everything. Dude, there was like five. There, there was literally, like, I, I, I wrote that down too. There was like five times where we forced fumbles and they just got the ball. Like it just bounced yeah. in their favor. And also David, what, what are the numbers surrounding uh, how many times we rushed four? And how many times we rushed uh, either four, five, five or more? Uh, so the Giants had 10 sacks in this game. And on only three of them did they rush more than four, uh, more than four pass rushers. Uh, and one of them, they, so two of them, they rushed five. One, they rushed six. And then the other seven, they rushed only four. Just, it's just insane. The first um, eight sacks of the first half, they rushed four. And then the Aaron Ross sack, which was the ninth sack of the first half, which was the NFL record. And then that's the one where Jay Cutler kind of twisted his ankle up, and that didn't that did not look good at all, uh, particularly because it came off of Cutler's blind side. And Aaron Ross kind of lit him up a little bit, full speed. It was just you know, that's it's the game of football. Again, zero pocket awareness, <laughs> zero pocket awareness. So he was just a sitting duck. So that was the nickel. He was coming off of that nickel corner spot. But the first eight sacks were they were just rushing four. Now the sack that you know the soundbite that we just played, and mo I would say most most of these is like okay, just this is you know man on man. OC's beating his guy. Tuck is beating his guy. Like the soundbite that we just played, Tuck just beat his guy. But also some of these sacks, and I think this can go to your guys' point of why this game was excruciating to watch. Oh some of these God. sacks were just because it's like Jay Cutler for God's sakes. Get rid of the fucking ball. Dude, for real. Like, <laughs> so bad. It's like when you play Madden and you're just like, you just like back up 40 yards. Fourth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Awful. All right, so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to play that sound bite. This is the Chicago Bears call of that ninth sack. Uh, I, you can actually hear that they're trying to figure out, I think, if it's some kind of record, and they don't know, and that's kind of funny. But, uh, but yeah, let's listen to this ninth sack, and then maybe we'll kind of give some wrap-up thoughts from there. This is the NFL Deal. record, ninth sack of the first half. Chevy inventory, 25 snaps, just two first downs offensively. One minute left in the first half. Bears have the football, their own 19. They're going to go empty spread. Three to the left, two to the right. Giants bring in four now, fifth. Here's the blitz, Cutler in trouble. Down he goes at the 11. Corner blitz, Aaron Ross. Nine sacks of Jay Cutler in the first half. And that is uh, right here. A big total, and it matches. <laughs> they are so the devastated. Most given up in a game, and that's happened several times in their team history. Right. Green Bay in 05, the latest. I wanted them to be like more devastated. Like I was looking for like just a complete loss of hope. Like for example, if this was the Dallas Cowboys uh, broadcasters, oh, they would have been beside like, from themselves. Last week, throw the ball, Tony. They would have honestly picked up their headset halftime, and they would have fucking left. 
They would have pulled like Avante Davis this last this last year, where he just like walked up. He just like walked out of the locker room at halftime. He was just like, I'm done. <laughs> OBJ. Hey, Fuck OBJ. Hey, hey. <laughs> the OBJ trade will go down as as Dave Gettleman's greatest move as a Giants GM. Oh, uh, David, this is a Giants history show. This is not a uh, yeah. We're not getting into not this time, time for your not now for your not personal now. for your personal soapbox. So so basically, second half, Giants score some touchdowns. They score 14 points in the second half. Uh, the, the rush, the running game picks up. We didn't get a chance to talk about this, but the running game picks up. Bradshaw mm-hmm. picks up. Yeah, uh, Bradshaw went over really, 100 yards, right? Bradshaw really balled out this game. He had 23 attempts, 129 yards. Yeah. He had a touchdown thrown in there. Uh, Jacobs, uh, he had... He had a fumble, bad fumble. Yeah, a bad fumble. I would say pretty bad game. He actually was kind of, not Coughlin's doghouse, but... He wasn't doing a good job picking up blitzers in 2010. Bradshaw yeah. was actually doing a pretty good job, like chipping uh, Julius Peppers this game. Um, so Bradshaw was the main guy. Bradshaw yeah, they, was definitely the main guy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to, to jump in, Justin, but they were saying that on the um, on the broadcast, uh, Collinsworth was saying that Jacobs had missed a lot of blitz pickups, and um, I think the week before the carries were 20 to 12. Bradshaw and Coughlin said yeah. that's that's about where you want to see it. And Bradshaw's quickness, like, I forget how, like, shifty he was. He's like Saquon Barkley in in Madden. That's what you watched in real life, how quick he, he goes from left to right and shifting and shaking and blah, 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 blah. But for my boy Brandon Jacobs, after that miserable fumble, I was pretty excited for him to uh, to top off the game with the 17th, the 16th point, I guess, before the extra point and scoring that touchdown. So um, the run game was always always the biggest thing for them, so I'm glad they got it going. Yeah, in that final drive of the game, Jacobs broke off two big runs that was like over yeah. half of his rushing total from that game. So he had six carries for 62 yards. But, you know, again, you know, this is why it's important to look at the context of what's happening around the game. Like 30, over 30 of those yards came on that final drive on two two carries within itself. So offense did, you know, offense did what they had to do. The wind was a factor. Eli underthrew some guys, but I want to move to game balls. I want to move to game balls. I want to move to giant shitheads of the week. Um, let's start out with giant shitheads. Who is going to be, uh, David, we'll start off with you. Who's going to be your giant shithead of the week this week? I mean, it can't not be Matt Dodge, right? Yep. I mean, are we really going to do even bother doing this? It's Matt Dodge. There, there's no, nobody you, yeah. else. Take, take Matt Dodge. Cause I, I'm going to take somebody else. Cause I knew you would right. take Matt Dodge. So I'll happily take okay. Matt Dodge then for, for yeah, reasons well, already explained. We already explained it and I'm taking Dar- Darius Renard. I don't even want to say his name, right? He doesn't deserve that much credit. Darius Reynard. Um, so Reynard, yeah, Reynard. More like fucking idiot. So uh, I will I will give him my shithead of the week because he was literally that bad at his job. Worse, well, not worse than Matt Dodge, but you already picked Matt Dodge, so I'm going to pick the second guy as bad at his job as Matt Dodge was. So Reynard, oh God, I really don't want to pronounce his name right. I hope I get it wrong every single time. He's my shithead of the have. week. You have so far, Good. don't worry. Good. My shithead is Tom Quinn. Okay, um, who's uh, <laughs> snacks? Snacks. Who's getting your game ball? Uh, well, you brought it up way before I I could, and I had it written down. But Corey Webster, and I could I could make it OC. I can make it tough. Wow. I can make it any of those guys. But Corey Webster really he showed me a lot that game, and and it kind of gave me an appre- maybe it's my more of a appreciation watching the game how good and underrated he really was. But the two massive open field tackles he had early in the game, and then when he got beaten went back and he broke the pass up. Nobody caught a ball on him that game. So I, I just, I want to show my appreciation of Corey Webster. I'm getting him my game ball. Um, that was also my game ball. I will instead give Ooh. mine to probably who Justin's is going to be and give it to uh, OC. Uh, three, three sacks, uh, two forced fumbles. Just like, like we've already said, just had the ability to just control a football game. If, if, if it was a game that matched his strengths, he could control any football game he wanted to. And he did with Facts. this one. Didn't even get a Pro Bowl vote that year. Didn't even crazy. get a Pro Bowl vote. He had, he had crazy. A NFL record breaking season, eleven and a half sacks, and didn't even get good. Didn't even go to a Pro Bowl. All right, so I'll give mine to Tuck. I was gonna give mine to OC, but I'll give mine to Justin Tuck. He had three sacks, and you know, unlike uh, lazy OC Umanura and Snacks' words, uh, Justin Tuck <laughs> actually was pretty darn good in the run game. Uh, Tuck lined up in a million different spots. Yeah, I'm sure he had a sack that came from like lining up as a defensive tackle in this game. Uh, Perry Fuel would sometimes run like an Aniba, where Tuck would be like standing up. He would be a stand up. Uh, 
pass rusher from like the A and the B gap from lining up as a defense tackle. So that was pretty cool to see. Um, so Tuck had three sacks, seven combined tackles, seven solo tackles. So he didn't, he, it was just all him and all those tackles, three tackles for losses. Uh, so seven of those tackles, three of them came for loss, three QB hits and one forced fumble. He had himself. All right, fellas, we did it. I we didn't did think it. this, but I did not. The whole point of me having this episode, in all honesty, in all transparency to everybody. Just to piss me off, and you did a good job at it. <laughs> there's there's not as much to talk about. But you know what? I think Snacks went on his rants, and it was very worth it. So Snacks, I'm going to throw you under the bus for one more time for making this episode a little bit longer. But that's yeah, great. I, I think a lot of people appreciate it. So uh, thank yeah. you for listening. If If you're enjoying these... If you're enjoying these, uh, please leave a five-star rating in the Apple Podcast app. If this is a new, you know, we're kind of starting this over again. We're starting Bleeding Blue again. Uh, it's a different vision. It's a different goal. I want I want the feedback. I want to hear what you think. Um, next week, the plan is to have an episode once a week. So next week, uh, we're, we may not do a rewatchable. We may do something else. I have a lot of Giants mm. books, and mm. I'm going to be reading those books. I'm going to be doing some some fun stuff. And uh, we may do have a different format for next week. So if you're getting tired of these rewatchables, well, good. Um, but we'll be doing some more rewatchables. We, we may even go back even before 2009. There's a lot of stuff that's available on YouTube. There's a lot of stuff for us. So, fellas, thank you for coming on. Uh, Snacks, David, I hope your Memorial Days were well. I will talk to all of you soon. You will hear from us next week. Let's end off this podcast with Tom Coughlin, the first minute of his press conference after this uh, nice little Sunday night football victory. Let's do very it. Very nice. Thank uh, God this is over. It's the podium. Team tonight, a win that we really needed um, to be uh, two and two and to be tied for the division lead, uh, which is outstanding. We're excited about that. Our defense played superbly. Um, I feel badly that, uh, you know, we turned the ball over and they ended up with a field goal there uh, in the I'm third sorry. quarter. But, uh, well, I thought we, you know, the 10 sacks, the, uh, the, the disappointing thing, I think, was the, the ball uh, being turned over to us twice in the first half and not coming away with any points at all. That was frustrating. Um, we did stick with it. We ran the ball. They're a very good defensive football team. Peppers is an exceptional player. Their linebackers are exceptional. They did an outstanding job of that. Um, but we're excited to win. I thought Matt Dodge did better in the second half. <laughs> He came back out and uh, and kept the ball pretty much away from uh, from 23, which helped us win. So, uh, outstanding win for our team. Good solid week of practice again. We've had a couple in a row. Uh, it paid off for us tonight, although we still had turnovers, and uh, we've got to somehow get that under control. Sorry if you were expecting something extravagant from Tom Coughlin. He was pretty boring <laughs> there. Peace. We'll see you next week.